This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Talk Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Somehow there's a cat in here still. Maybe it's cut a secret hole into the door. No, he's managed to open the door and I just don't get it because he's so stupid that I... How he can he suddenly does clever things, but he's the dumbest cat I've ever seen in my life. At this moment in time, I don't know what exactly, but he's doing something to the back of my left heel. Uh, I just keep feeling something going on. I can't really see him. He's under a chair. I can't really tell. You hope he's the cat. Yeah, and I do. Welcome to the Halloween episode of Back of the Nest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should absolutely do a Halloween special. Spooky That's palace got Nick stories. Written all over it. Yeah, Nick, well, we Nick can't... puns for an hour. I mean, that's certainly horrifying, isn't it? As a as a concept, um, I tell you Speaking what. Um, which... if, if we ever want to do a, like a charity special, I think it, you'd raise more money if people pay us yeah. not to release a special episode with an hour of Nick puns. Um, we should definitely yeah, try that. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans. Alexa, play Back of the Nest podcast. Playing Back of the Nest, CPFC podcast, from Amazon Music. Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest match report. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host today as we look back at a game of near misses between RSPCA FC and Nottingham Forest. I'm joined by Cara and Mike. Hello. Hello. Who wrote oh. that intro? Who did that? I didn't even know until I started reading it. I didn't even know that intro was there. Come on, it gets more and more it. true every week. Yeah, it is um, truly, truly astonishing um, what, what's going on. And obviously that will be the the main part of what we talk about today. And what will probably be, hopefully, for everyone, a short episode. Um, but yeah, I was I was checking out the Premier League injury table it's um, we're certainly it's the only table we're top of, um, and it is impressive. Um, we have eleven registered injuries. Uh, our nearest challenger, Chelsea, with nine, but of course they've got four hundred and fifty thousand players, so uh, it's a it's a different thing. But there's actually, you know, it, I, I actually expected us thinking about our situation for it to be far far worse in terms of the than, than compar- comparatively to the rest of the division, and it's just interesting to note that. It's not just Chelsea, it's Chelsea, Man United and Sheffield United that have nine injuries. Brentford as well, sorry. And then you've got uh, Nottingham Forest on eight. 
and then uh, a few on seven as well. So there's not too many that have got away with it this year. So maybe it's not just a Palace problem, but it's certainly a, a Palace problem when you consider the strength of the squad in the first place. But anyway, before we get too much into the detail, because um, we'll definitely be coming back to that theme, um, let's talk about some of the news this week. And uh, well, first up, uh, Palace women beat Blackburn 4 0 away from home. Um, Cara, I'm going to let you read the rest. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. A bit, no, it's a, <laughs> a huge win, really. Uh, playing Blackburn, um, as Hambo said, who are now just one point uh, above us in the table. We're sitting on fourth, but it doesn't quite tell the uh, full story because the top three teams are all drawn on 12 points. Um, so, really keeping us uh, kind of in the in the game there in terms of the whole season um, with that result. Uh, four goals from four different players. So uh, first from Hopcroft, then Dolan, then Blanchard, then Sharp. So uh, good to see that in stark, stark contrast to the men, we've got four players on the pitch for the women's uh, team that can score goals uh, very convincingly. So uh, yeah, onwards continues to be onwards and upwards for that team. We've said it uh, most weeks, I think, that we've uh, covered the women's games. Uh, they just seem to be going from strength to strength. Seems to be like a really good togetherness within the camp. So, um, yeah, watch this space. Long may it continue. Oh, I should have said as well, we also have a goal, uh, game in hand because our one against Sheffield United was uh, postponed yeah. uh, due to their uh, the recent yeah. loss they had. So, um, whenever that's rescheduled, obviously, if we can get three points out of that one as well, then we're... We're really looking hopeful uh, going forward. So, yeah, really good news. Yeah, impressive campaign. And, um, yeah, the the amount of goals coming from the, the Palace women's side as well is in stark contrast. Uh, and it's a good opportunity for me to uh, to bring up one of the BBC facts from the Palace uh, Forest aftermath, which is that no other side has seen fewer goals in, the Premier, in Premier League games in 2023, 24, than both Palace and Forest. Forest have seen 18 goals. That's eight, four, and 10 against. Palace have seen a total of 14 goals, seven, four, seven against. I think there were nine in one game, weren't there, for the, for the women that we scored? No, it was nine, one, so 10 in one game. There you go. So we really are, um, yeah, the, the women really are producing a far better uh, standard of football and performance than the men right now. So, um, yeah, maybe we should all be giving them the respect that they deserve and uh, and, and give Roy and his boys a, a bit of a break. Maybe I'll feel more sane if I did that. But um, we obviously, we didn't do a show last week. We did try, didn't we, Cara? But somebody, um, and I'm not going to say who it was, because that would be ridiculous, but somebody said, yeah, that's fine, I can do that then, and then couldn't at a very short notice. Obviously, we don't like to, to hear that sort of thing, do we? Because that's just... That's somebody being really careless and, um, if anything, showing a lack of respect to Back of the Nest as a brand. Uh, and we never want to want to have that again. So I think Mikey may have put out the um, the the YouTube uh, post-match reaction in the end, um, but that was quite late. So apologies for no show last week. And the reason I mentioned that is uh, not just to shame that, that person um, without naming them, but also to... Um, to point out the fact we didn't really cover the two results that we would have covered in terms of the 18s and the under 21s uh, under 18s drew with Brighton that were two nil down then good old Jesse Derry uh, two more goals for him um, and a goal from George King 
Bent the Palace with 3-2 up, and then there was a 91st-minute equaliser from Brighton, which we don't like to hear. But basically, a very strong performance from the uh, from the 18s. And the 21s, unfortunately, lost 4-2 to Liverpool, but there's a con- context around that was that um, Ola Adebomi, obviously, he, well, not obviously, he put Palace ahead early on. It was 1-1 um, at the time that Justin Deveni was sent off um, on 40 minutes, and then in 41 minutes, it was 2-1 Liverpool. A uh, couple more in the second half, and Franco Uma got a uh, second consolation for Palace in injury time, but in the end, well beaten by a very good Liverpool side, and Jason Kumas's son. Do you remember Jason Kumas? Well, anyway, if you don't... Oh, very much, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tranmere and Wigan and people like that, I seem to recall. Um but yeah, his son uh, is doing. He's very highly rated by Liverpool and uh, got a couple of goals in that game. So there you go. That's that's all the news that we have written down. It's um, not. It's not quite all the news. It's not what? quite all the news. Surprise um, news. So it's it's uh, the marathon march coming up uh, on the international break. So just wanted to plug the fact that uh, Will, who used to. Do the socials for us, or some of the socials will be doing it along with Heskith and various others, uh, formerly of this parish. So we will be retweeting a few people. If you're not go- if you're not doing it yourself, and you want to throw in a few quid, uh, obviously for the Palace Foundation, yeah, please Did do. Albert, um, did Albert say he's doing it over over winging it? Um, and I think I think he's doing it with Heskith. With Heskith, um, so we should, we should, I could just say. If Albert repeats his first ever attempt at that um, at that particular thing, he will end the um, the marathon march by walking into a pub, going a really odd colour, and then rainbow vomiting all over the toilet. Um, so, uh, you know, follow him closely right at the end if you're on the marathon march, just to see if you can witness that that again because it was spectacular. Um, and I've he's, only he's heard been the working stories. out since then. He's been working out hard since then, yeah. Um, And and yes, apologies for not being around last week. Um, I was on a tour, which I mentioned on the last pod, and then uh, totally didn't remember which days. um, The best bit of what Hambo said is that Mike looked really nervous because he was convinced that you were talking about him, I think, during that bit. Yeah, Yeah, he is, yeah. It isn't strictly true. But I was... I was talking about an unnamed other individual, um, so we've narrowed it down. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, look, um, moving on to the to the match review itself. Obviously, nil nil. So we don't have, look. There wasn't a huge amount even to talk about. I think Palace had one shot on target. Uh, I think Sam Johnston made a couple of decent saves, but you know you might have some stuff from from who scored, Mike. But um, realistically. I think there's probably one incident of note from Palace's perspective worth talking about um, in in terms of the actual match itself and everything else really just to be has to be talked around that injury list and and what we think might be some reasons behind it whether it's just bad luck or or you know there's there's a lot something else going on there uh, I've got some some data and some information on that um, I wish I had more but well, cool. in the end go on. Can we get to the bit that you're talking about? Are you referring to the Mateta chance, or are you, yeah, I, I, I am, can't yeah. even think what the one right. Okay. That was it. It's the Mateta chance. Um, yeah, uh, and look, and I think I, I want to. We'll come back to the lineup because obviously it's linked to the injuries. But you know, we, we, I don't think it's fair to even talk about the fact that yes, the first half was really sedate and slow. 
But I think given the available team and, and what happened, you know, obviously Jeffrey Schlupp going off injured after 26 minutes, uh, which further disrupted the team. Uh, actually, Stop smiling. Up. Stop smiling. <laughs> I can see you smiling. Um, I well, can you see know, you smiling. You said stop smiling and I smiled. Look, I, I feel like, well, we'll talk about it a lot because obviously that that moment in the game was... I mean, it was it was annoying because like you're just like okay, we've pieced together a team. Roy said he's happy with the eleven. Hope we don't have to rely on the bench. Which honestly, Roy, you shouldn't say those things out loud because what will happen is you'll have to rely on the bench. That's just the law. That's just reality. So don't do that. Um, but you know, then Raksaki coming on and he he took a battering from a fair few in the from the in terms of the palace fan base for performance against man united going off at half time which i think i don't know if we mentioned it on the show but i certainly talked about it at length with with various people saying that it's unfair to to judge a player like that when when there were so many changes in that team and you're away to man united it's just totally unfair to just to write him off and a lot of people write him off after that and for him to come on after 26 minutes and have to kind of get up to the speed of the game and impact on it the, the way he did was extremely impressive. And he's taken a, he's, there's been a lot of comments after the game from within the club that have uh, given him a rightfully lauded his performance and, and talked about what a great player he is. So I think that was a really, really huge positive to come out of this game, but I wanted to avoid it being a huge positive that Jeffrey Slump was injured. I'm not saying that I, you know, I, I'm not his biggest fan and I think he's been poor this season, but I don't wish injury on anybody and he's a Palace player so he deserves support but you know when that change happened I didn't expect Raksaki to play the way he did and and I'm so happy that he did I thought it was excellent Um, but I mean look where to start guys Mateta chance let's talk about that Um, obviously it's it's into the second half Um, Mike talk me through it so I was covering X Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. And I was just about to type um, that the crowd were getting a little bit angsty with the fact there wasn't any crosses. And that was, a, a, a for me, that was the, the biggest issue with the game. There just wasn't enough balls in that would have been useful for the two up front that we had. But at that point, just as I was writing, um, we carved right through the middle uh, you know, seventy yards right through the middle. Didn't need, didn't need the flanks whatsoever, um, and he just just sort of didn't get his leg around it quite enough. Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't the simplest of chance, but it proved that actually the, the Forest team could be carved down the middle as well when it hadn't necessarily looked that way. So um, it, it made me swallow my words a little bit, albeit stick by it. You know, there wasn't enough crosses in the game. I, f- I think that's fair. Um, Cara is, you know, is there, is it as Mike described or do you have a different view? No, I think it is. I think when you see it slow down, he misjudges how quickly the, it's come in, I think. And so he doesn't take a touch before the strike and then it goes past him too quickly. And then he's run out of time to get his legs around it. And I think it's frustrating and it's uh, just another example of like, him not being 
on the ball enough. We've seen Edward get a couple of those chances and take them. Yes, also having a couple of those chances and uh, not taking them as well. Um, but it is frustrating when you've got such a good ch- chance like that, that the kind of instinct is off or the judgment is off. Because uh, in a game where you're not going to get that many of those chances uh, come by and you're not, well, in a whole season, how many times are you going to be left in that much space um, with a relative amount of time to do something with it? If you get that immediate judgment call wrong, um then, then it's gone. And uh, that's unfortunately what happened. Although I do think there was more than just that chance because there was the ball in from um, Anderson at one point that Ayu uh, completely scuffed. Uh, there was the Ratsaki chance after he put the guy on the floor. Um, so I think there were a few. I think there were a few positives to take from the game in general. Um but I think maybe looking at what uh, Mark Gay said after the game is the kind of best summary. We maybe could have just put the audio of that out, actually. would have been the best summary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll jump ahead to some of the... I put some of the, the comments from the, the Palace site on there. As you say, the full audio is excellent. Um, but he said that I'm not sure if we can be happy with the result, which in stark contrast to a lot of Palace fans, which, you know, I kind of... I couldn't quite make my mind up whether I was one of them who felt in the circumstances, that's a good point versus, you know, we can't be happy only drawing to, to Forest and not taking our chances. Um, so he said, I'm not sure we can be happy with the result. Injuries aren't an excuse, but we have got a lot of new players coming into the team and finding their feet in the game. Um, arguably a point that we've made in this show repeatedly so far this season is because we haven't made use of our bench at different times throughout the course of the season. That's very true. There are players who are having to play their way in to to some kind of form because they haven't had the minutes. Uh, and that in itself can be an impact on injuries. But, you know, it's interesting he's making that same point that, that players are having to find their feet in the games themselves. He said, Forrest made it tough for us today. They were very organ- they were a very organised, good team. Dangerous in transitions, uh, but it was just hard to get the ball into our forward players. I can take responsibility. I don't think I had a good game today. <laughs> disagree especially when he decided to try and run through the entire forest team um just ran out of energy anyway but at least we got a point he said i got a lot of help from ty or from t um and gyro and the boys in midfield were fantastic hopefully we can regroup and get back to winning ways we don't lose the game but you can't get carried away with the result Nottingham forest are really good try to stay as solid as possible not lose one nil because we could have could have got caught on the transition so like you summed up our approach to the game for sure um, Mike I actually thought it was great to hear him be so self-deprecating um, mm. it's it's really refreshing there's not many players or even sports people that come out and are that self-deprecating um, you're right he, he, he was nowhere near one of the worst players on the pitch um, if that's if that's bad Mark Gay then you know, that's <laughs> if he if he if he thinks of himself, um, you know, he he's got sets himself to that high standards. Then that, that's only a good thing. Um, but it was not entirely dissimilar to what I sort of took from Roy as well. Like Roy was, he didn't give excuses this time. He he didn't go on about the injuries more anywhere near as much as I thought he was. You know, Gay said, it doesn't matter. We've got good players. I don't care about the injuries, which I think is a bit too much. Hodgson came back and said, we've got some injuries, but everyone does. 
Um, and then when the the Sky pundit said to him, you know, uh, it has has the international break um, come at a good time, he couldn't stop himself but have a massive grin on his face and then go, well, well that's that's an astute observation. Um, so even even Roy even Roy um, didn't didn't use it as a crutch. But yeah. I think we all knew uh, that they were both thinking, well, we'll probably swerve one there. After after the, the hitting the post and all that kind of stuff, I actually thought that, that by the end, when I was absolutely bricking it, um, I was really happy with the point. I do think those are some of the positives to take away from the game, though. Like, how many times have we said, like, we hate it when there's just no ambition, when, like, they go out and it's almost like they're resigned to the fact they've just got to get through the 90 minutes. I think the tempo that game was played at was pretty high, like, all the way through. Um, and even if it is, yeah, like, uh, Forrest definitely had the better chances than we did and got closer. And, like, Johnson had some amazing saves. Uh, I forget the name of the Brazilian guy on the... For- uh, uh, that came through the middle for Forest, but that save from Johnston to stop that going in was just out of this world, really. Um, but I think it's really positive to to have that performance, and then rather than have them coming out saying uh, like, "Oh, we're really pleased with that performance because of all of the injuries," like it could have been a lot worse. So, like, we're really happy with the way we played. Actually, to hear that ambition and say, "No, it's not good enough. We don't want the excuses. Like, we still want to go out under these conditions and play better and and play the way we know we can." I know Gay didn't have a bad game from where we're looking, but he he also there weren't those moments of being like, oh, like really glad Mark was there." You know, it it I think. I think watching it back, you do see the amount of times that he kind of needed that that cover a little bit. So he's just talking about his own standards. And I think if you've got within the team players knowing their own standards and not just being happy with coming away, not having lost the game, but actually saying, no, I'm not happy because I haven't reached my own high standard for myself and for the team. Like that's where we want to be, I think. Um, and the longer that continues, the less risk there is of us going into that like fourth year Roy Hodgson lull of like yeah we think we played really well because we didn't lose 3-0 you know <laughs> yeah I do I think look, it's, it's a fair point um I don't know I, I I struggle because home games are so important um and it, it all for me it just felt so I I, I yeah it's refreshing having players come out and, and talk so clearly and not make excuses but I do feel like I'm actually at that point where I'm, I feel really, really sorry for the team in a lot of ways because you know we're sitting in ninth place on twelve points and I, and I've not I've not enjoyed too much of the season if I'm honest with how it's gone. But when you think about what we could have been watching and the plays we could have had, and I go back to something Steve Parrish said on a, I can't remember what it was it was a podcast or something in the last couple of weeks and he described Roy as a manager who we'll get you three wins out of 10 with poor players and six weeks, six wins out of 10 with good players. And like, whilst I, I'm not sure how Roy would feel about that as a sentence, but all the players, to be honest with you, I kind of got the point. Cause he was talking about the fact that we probably would have been okay if we'd kept Vieira, but he felt like he couldn't not act, which was, which is an interesting take on things. Cause I still, part of me still thinks it was very much the wrong decision for the long-term good of the club. But you know, I can't. I can't also ignore the fact that we're still, you know, secure in the Premier League and we're in ninth place. But um, but the, but I suppose about what I'm, what I'm really trying to say is, if I I can't really judge Roy 
and the team and the coaching staff on anything that's really happened over the last couple, two to three weeks, because it's been so much disruption. I mean, if you look at the Forest team, so the front three, Morgan Gibbs-White, Chris Woods, hudson Adoy. when you go through the rest of the team, I didn't know anything about Dominguez, just mentioned him, Kyle Mangala. If you just put the players against the ones that we ended up by the end of the game with, you wouldn't put many Palace players in in the best 11. So I don't... the way Vieira played, I'm not sure he'd have got a, a point out of the game. You know, I'm a massive Vieira fan, but we did really... I mean, we had a less good team. And we, yes, we were at home, but the, the side was just... It's, I mean, if you if you think back to... This is the kind of team that the feeling I had was when we first came up, when it was just like, well, everything's a free hit. You know, I just... I felt like they had a much stronger team than us. And... That's obviously you can talk about the, the signings and you can talk about the things that happened before the before the start of the season, but this is this is this has got to be one of the weakest teams we've had in the last what seven years, six, seven years. And that that is part of why I think there are a lot of positives to take from the game. Because I was just looking at the just as you mentioned it, Hamba, I was just looking at the table. So we're ninth, we're one point behind Newcastle. <laughs> it was spent mm-hmm. Fuck knows how much. Uh, You know, we are two points above Chelsea, who have 50 million players. And, and, you know, considering that, myself included, myself massively, the amount of complaints we have about, uh, like, who we brought in and, you know, still having some of these players that were on the pitch, like, even on our books um, now and not having kicked on more. The fact that we are sitting in ninth, with 12 points in a season where other teams who have done what we were asking the owners to do are are struggling to do it. I think it's games like this where you can sit back and just go, yeah, we're doing all right. (laughs) Like we did. I would say I'll come back to it and be like, this is why it frustrates me so much that we're not investing just a little bit more because imagine what we could do if we, if we did do that. But I think it's worth all of the kind of games where we'll come away from it being like, oh, this is really frustrating. It's all going wrong. Like, actually, we're in a pretty good position. I think, like, we should uh, maybe celebrate is not the right word for a nil-nil draw at home. But, like, we should appreciate, <laughs> appreciate that we've done that um, and appreciate that the players want more um, because it would be so yeah. easy, like I say, to come away from that game going, poor us, we're really hard done by, we're in a really hard position and you should be grateful that we got you that draw. I think it's fair. I think the, the perspective is a really important thing. And, you know, the, I suppose the longer we've been in the Premier League, the, the you know, the harder it is to kind of maintain that perspective. You know, like Mike was talking about, when, you, when we first got back into the Premier League and we're looking at every game and thinking, we get a point here, it's a bonus, you know, let's just enjoy it while we can. And we wanted to keep that attitude as long as we have. That's long gone, you know, but that doesn't mean it has to stay that way. And it doesn't mean that we can't, you know, I, I I look back, you know, look back at the last few seasons and think, you know, actually, you know, certainly personally, I, I should have been more appreciative of certain things. Um, and but at the same time, it's fine to feel that way. It's also at the same breath fine to say, but it does mean like our failure to get those two players that Roy mentioned over the line, which was Lewis Hall, I think, at left back, and obviously um, Hugo. Oh, I can never remember. It's a kick, a kick, a kick, a kick, a kick. Yeah, that one. The palindrome. 
uh, guy at PSG. I can never pronounce it. Ekatike, I think it. Something like that, isn't it? Anyway, that that you're not helping me either of you, and I hate you. That I, 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 can't, I can't. I can I, I, I always think Ekateke, but I don't think that's yeah. right. Because I'm thinking anyway, of Benteke, and then yeah, that's. I think that's where my brain goes as well. But anyway, you know, and it, we seemingly from within. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The club believed those two deals would happen, so that would have been good competition on the left side of the pitch because Lewis Hall can play left back and left midfield and even play in the centre as well. So it would have given us a good cover in three positions. And then obviously a, a, a striker who could also drop out wide and things like that and, and failing to get those players and also failing to plan for not getting those players does now look like a massive error and, and something we should feel very frustrated about. Definitely. And I think that that failure is all that is between the level that we're at and the level that West Ham have got to, Brighton have got to, Villa have got to, to a certain extent. You know, they've pulled those signings off over consecutive years, have had plans in place for when they lose a manager, a player, whatever, um, and have executed that really well. Now, yes, we're only like a few places behind all of those teams that I've just mentioned, but that's why I think it is. it's not... It's not the like Newcastle style investment that we need from the owners to be able to like kick on to the next level, as uh, to quote Parrish. Mm. It is just doing that business. And I, I say just, I, I know that it's, I couldn't do it and it's like very difficult, but other clubs of a similar size have managed to do it and are managing to do it. And I think what we all want is just to see that switch flick um, and, and then see what we can achieve with that. I mean, are we talking next level now? If if Eze's out for another month, say, we've basically got this team now for a while. So Raksaki's probably going to be the creative force. And I wanted to bring that up because um, I absolutely love that. I, I think probably Sam Johnston got my player of the match. But um, Raksaki, obviously, I, it, it's great to see the fans voted in player, player of the match. Um I don't think he drifts past people in the same way that Elise and Eza does. I think he needs he needs someone decent around him to do a little triangle ball, that kind of thing. I don't think he's got the same skill set as those. So him on his own, I think it's going to be fairly easy to mark out of the game once you know once he starts, which he he presumably will uh, next game. So we've got a little period now where. I would think that any point is a bonus unless we're playing, you know, I, I think in the next few games, I, I'm, you know, anything for me is all right. Draws for the next month is absolutely fine. So, um, it's, so kicking on is, is, not, is not really an issue now. It's, it's about uh, stability, I think, for me. 
Yeah, I, I, I understand that in the, in the circumstances for sure. Um, but I think the point being made is that's where we are, but perhaps it shouldn't be. You know, if we if we had just done that little bit more, that little push, and as Cara quite right, quite rightly points out, it's not was not saying it was easy to do so, and we're not saying that that they weren't let down by other people, but um, but that kind of that kind of failure, and it was a failure in the in the transfer window. I'm pretty sure we and we I'm pretty sure we talked about this as well. When you couple that with how you know our our approach, and again our approach has got us. Ninth position out of eight games, twelve points, really well. But our approach to play effectively the same eleven in the Premier League for was it five consecutive league games? Um, we still used those a lot of those players against Plymouth in the cup because we had to because we were losing to Plymouth in the cup. So and we had to bring the players on. We then brought the same good players on against Man United, lose it when we lost three 0 in the cup as well. So pretty much the same players playing every single week. And we did talk about that around the transfer window is what if it's okay to say we didn't sign those players, but it's okay because then we're not blocking young players, which we're not using or we're not, you know, or, or, you know, we have enough in the squad anyway. It was, what if, what if we burn them out? What if we have the same problems? And and there is, you know, I probably need to look a bit more deeper into it because I didn't, I didn't go into it in the time that I thought, but I read somebody else talking about similar that, that I thought, which was our injury record in probably the last maybe season and a half of Roy's previous spell was pretty poor. And we seemed to correct that in, in the Vieira era. We weren't dealing with quite so many injuries. Now it's come back and I saw Roy comment on it. He said, you know, we have to take a look at it. We have to say, are we being, are we working too intensely in training? Um, And I think the answer is possibly there is something, there's something wrong somewhere. I think. My worry with that is that he also then went on to say, it's not just us. Look, there's all there's this list of all these other clubs, so it's nothing I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure they will take a look at it. I, like I'm sure it will be the kind of thing I would hope that Parish would intervene with. You know, if you know, he says how quickly he intervened with other managers. That's what I want to see him stand up and mm. do now. I'm not talking about getting rid of it, obviously, but like no. this is where that intervention is needed because there is something going wrong. And it's also these players' careers. You know, the more injuries they get, even if they're ones that they can recover from, the more injuries they get, the more prone to them they are again and again and again. So it's like, where does the the ethics of like our duty of care as a club come in with these players as well and how keen are are some of them going to be to stay if actually they're picking up these injuries after injuries where if they move they're not put under that strain and Mm. and they've got an eye one eye on their kind of longevity of their career you know it's all that kind of long-term stuff that just goes back to the 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 other stuff that we were talking about just now yeah I don't think the the comments from um, the Galatasaray doctor about Wilf helped matters because it's kind of the first time we've been given that clear information that was Wilf was being basically pushed to play through stuff he shouldn't have been. And they've had to really kind of give him a extended break. And he's come back into the side. I think he's got four goals for them now, playing really well, scored against United the other day. Um, and I think that probably does not help the kind of nervousness that I have around our approach. But it could be something as simple as the the surface on the training ground, which, you know, I believe it's it's supposed to mimic Selhurst Park. And perhaps that's not a good thing. I don't know. But, um, you know, I I believe we've done a lot of work on it and we've got, you know, a very reputable medical team. But there's there's something amiss 
to be in this position, I think. I mean, first of all, f- fuck that Galatasaray physio. What a twat. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, the, the issue they've got now is it's like a domino effect, isn't it? You, you bring Gyro on and he hasn't played in how long he's going to get injured. So you get into the point where you've got, you know, young kids that have been playing in the 21s that probably don't even hardly get a tackle on them um, and players that have barely played. So they're going to get injured. Uh, And I mean, it's now it's just going to get worse and worse. And we're not the first, we're not the first club to to do that. Um, I I know Carl wants to jump in. Has anyone heard anything about Gyro as well? Like, is it? No, I do want to talk about him, but I don't know what the extent of the injury is. Neither him nor Schlupp have I heard anything, to be honest. Just very quickly before we moved on, I, uh, just uh, on what you said, Hambo, about it could be something as simple as um, the pitch. There was a really, really interesting interview in the uh, Observer a couple of weeks ago, just at the end of September, with um, uh, Ben Ryan at Brentford, who has been brought in. So he's elite performance director and basically was brought in to just look at everything um, and just see if there was like anything at all he could change um, to make the club a bit better. And one of the examples they give in the, um, or he gives, in the interview is that they noticed that they were losing I can't remember exactly what the record was but they were just losing like tons and tons and tons of games away from home and it was like the the lineup didn't change like everything was pretty much the same all of the stats were the same for the whole team so they were really trying to drill down in like what is going wrong and they worked out that the material that the away kit was made of was more absorbent than their home kit so it meant that over in a home in an away game sorry where it was raining which obviously playing in England it happens a lot um it they were like 400 grams heavier or something than they were in their home kit so they changed their the material their away kit was made out of and that that like uh, issue just went and they started winning and losing the same kind of uh, games away from home as they were um, at home. So uh, I absolutely love, love, love that story. And it feels like something that more clubs should jump onto. It could be as simple for Palace as uh, maybe just stop playing the players every game. But, you know, there could also be something very intricate going on that that something like that could find out. It's, yeah, absolutely right. And and as I say, looking at the, the, the injury table, uh, information it's not great you know the, the accuracy of the information I used to read physio room but they don't do it anymore and that used to be pretty good and up to date but <clears throat> excuse me i was looking through other clubs injuries and half the players their estates are injured seem to have played this weekend so i'm not exactly sure whether whether or not to believe that other clubs have quite as many injuries as we do but they certainly got our list correct and um other than I think Edward was on there who who played this weekend, so I suppose that was the other positive. He came back from uh, from injury, but play. I I did want to talk a little bit about that. I'm just I suppose just as a passing mention, I felt like the way we set up um, with Edward on the left and Mateta through the middle initially, um, which was for, that was forced to change to a four four two when Raksaki came on for Schlupp. I think we were we were a better shape as a four four two. Mateta and Edward worked better playing as a front two than than, Ed, than Mateta leading the line. I have to be completely brutally honest. I don't think Mateta leads the line well at all. I think Edward has actually developed that skill um, really, really well and, and does a better job than, than, than anybody else currently. Um, but you think the other thing I wanted to mention as well, I think one of the things we struggled with is Ayu started the season in incredible form. 
He really did. He was absolutely outstanding every week. And it's just dropped off. You know, he's not quite as quick, not quite as sharp. And it's just got to be the effort he puts in, the running he does every game. You know, he's only a human being. And he's and I think he's dropped off, you know, 5%, 10%. And um, I think that's had a big impact on our attacking player as well. Mike? Two things. First of all, Roy refers to Decore as Decore. So that's interesting. Um, Yeah. Obviously, I I think that no Lerma, no Decore is obviously going to have an impact on on IU. Um, I wanted to ask what you thought of how stuff's gone without them. I personally think there was a bigger drop-off. I know I'm clearly becoming a Lerma fanboy, but I think there was a bigger (laughs) drop-off when Lerma got injured. And I think Decore's role was... uh, sort of saturated up a bit more or is that just that actually gyro did pretty well is that a, well that's the that's the real discussion point from this game for me i'll, I'll let cara answer that first the only thing i was going to drop in is i think the point at which takure has gone out will hughes has had more games and i think he's performed better and better mm. each game so i think he's just having more of a presence in midfield to make up for takure at the time at which lerma went out he just wasn't quite up to that standard yet so i think that maybe skews it a little bit i think that's a really, really good point, um, and and far better than what I was going to say. So, um, <laughs> now I did. I, to be honest with you, I only wanted to talk about the, the read round situation. I was going to say I think Hughes has done incredibly well, um, and's got better and better as he's played. But I just fear an injury. To be honest with you, the way he, in the way he puts himself about the pitch and his injury history, I'm just, I'm just waiting for it. I'm sorry. I just, I just feel like it's going to happen. Um, and then you start to look. Uh, the rest of the squad and and who comes in for that and you know and then I get worried. Give give Ozo a chance maybe. Anyway, um, but I did want to talk about Reedaval because you asked the question: Did Reedaval do well? If you were to read parts of social media and pretty much all of the BBS, which is not always the best advice, but um, Reedaval was terrible, an awful performance, absolutely shocking. You know, um, what a waste of space, unfit, lazy all these things being trotted out and spent the first 10 minutes trying to sort his hair out, all those kinds of comments. I just thought I must've been watching a different game because that just absolute insanity to me. He wasn't outstanding. He played really well when he, um, when he was playing in the, I mean, really well comparatively in the cup game um, against Man United. Cause he played in that one. Right. And, you know, I think he, he stood out as one of the better players on the day. Let's just, just call it what it is. But I thought, for me, Mark Gay called it out. I, I'd rather, don't listen to me, don't listen to any of us, but Mark Gay said Jairo did a fantastic job supporting the defence and making their job easy and covering for any errors and covering runs from the, the transition that, that Forrest had. Riedeval did a tremendous job, I thought, until he got injured. So um, he wasn't sort of how, if you kind of picture what we thought Jairo was when we got him and, and you know, the, the talent he has on the ball, you know, the, the passes he should be finding, that kind of stuff. No, it wasn't that type of a game for him at all. So if you were watching Reedavell expecting him to be spraying passes about and linking play and, and playing like Ezra, obviously not. But if you watched him play that defensive role, that I thought I thought he was outstanding. I really did. Yeah, so his positional play is is absolutely great. I thought there was some very very dodgy passing. There was a there was a couple yeah. of breaks that. He he was the person responsible for it, it falling over, and then on the back. So his free kicks, 
Um, you know, he doesn't whip something in like Ezra does. He sort of drifted it over very slowly, and that's that's not going to work. Um, you know, to the point where one of his free kicks, we almost got we almost got done on the break. But it was him that then stopped it. Um, he's he's a great screening central defensive midfielder. You, you just can't expect him to suddenly pull out, you know, Anderson esque perfect passes because that just isn't him. No, exactly right, and um, and also when you think about the 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 difficulty of being starting in effectively like a, a midfield three with um, with Hughes and I suppose I get what am I talking about? Yeah, because both Hughes and and Schlupp um, tucking in sort of narrowly and giving them that that kind of protection, right? And then it, it changing to a midfield two, right? That's a, that's a hard thing to have to cope with. I have to say. Um, so I, I think he did extremely well there. If you sort of look at his, um, his sort of average positions throughout the game, he was also probably our most advanced midfielder, I think it's fair to say. I'm just having a look now. Um, you know, average position was dead centre of the pitch, um, basically in and around Mateta and, and Edward. Um Obviously, there was an impact of the fact that we did change to a four-four-two there, but he was the one who got forward and tried to link. We let, let, let Hughes just sit there and, and, and you know, screen the, the back four. You think as well when, uh, I mean, I thought he was doing well before this anyway, but when Ratsaki came on, obviously Ratsaki's like, his build is not one for kind of strength and muscling people off the ball, right? But like, he doesn't need to because he's got the skill. But what that means when he comes on in the in place of Schlupp, who can do that, is you then have such a, a bigger reliance on Hughes and on Gyro to do that kind of muscle game, if you will. And I think he did do that. Like he drew a fair few uh, fouls on him as well. He was kind of like clearing the path a little bit, like with his shoulders, uh, which is great. Um, you know, he was really doing that job. And I think people who are saying he's had a, he had a bad game, number one, I don't know any other player who would come back after the amount of time that he hasn't played first team football for, who would come on, come back and play any better than he did for 75 minutes. Um, and number two, I think the amount of work that he did off the ball was was huge uh and basically what i'm trying to say is they don't know what they're talking about so we'll leave it there <laughs> yeah i just yeah like i say i feel like there's there's plenty of people who had that opinion who, who know a fair bit um but i think it's expectation sometimes it's like a lot of people who kind of flipped on on wilf a bit when he stopped being a teenager who ran at people and beat beat three players in every run and we're like, well, he's not the same player he was. And you're just like, yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> no, because he's, but he's still playing really, really, you know. It's if you go, if your expectations don't match what you're watching, you can sometimes make uh, some strange calls on performances. Cool, Mike. So a question for you both, Andros Townsend. So I watched it back, <clears throat> videoed it, watched it back. Townsend after the game said. In his experience, you need to do a lot to um, get the trust of Roy. That was the, the was the words he used. Mm. So he was talking about Raksaki at the time, and yeah. I think you know Raksaki did good things. Um, I'm I'm not sure Roy's going to have a lot of choice in terms of Gyro. Did he do enough? Did he do the right things that Roy likes in a player? For him, assuming it's only a minor injury and he's back um, after the international break, did he do enough to be picked again? Or, um, you know, is it Chris Richards? What is it that he'd expect him to do? What is it that he wants from him? I think what 
where I think Reader Val would struggle um, is I think just maintaining a work rate from minute zero to 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 minute ninety seven, maintaining a work rate that Roy Hodgson wants and a, and a tempo that Roy Hodgson wants. I think Gyro is a player who likes to get his foot on the ball, slow things down, you know, and I think that's his instinct. And I think. I just, I just, I think the drive isn't always there for it because he could. I feel like he could have pushed his way into the team under of various managers. I think, not sure how many he's played under. At least three or four, right? Five. I don't know, but he's played under a few managers, and none of none of whom have trusted him to start every week. Um, the closest he got was about three or four games in a row at left back, wasn't it? Um, so there's a reason for that, and I and I do think it's that extra little bit of commitment to push himself out of his comfort zone and play the way the team need him to play versus the way he wants to play football i think that's what it is if that sounds fair i'm mean, I mean, conscious of come oh sorry no i just wanted to add on to that i think that is definitely fair and i don't think there's any of that that's wrong i do however think he did enough in that game to then play into going forward where we are going to have to rotate players mid-game. So I think he's done enough to be trusted to come on and have a good chunk of the game um, so that we're not just relying on the same 11 uh, as much as, well, who we've, I guess we've got like 12 players fit. But, you know, I think he'll be trusted to, to allow Roy to rotate the players that he has got um, because he was pretty good defensively. Like you said, Mike, you know, trust the words of uh, Gay more than us. And what does Roy look for? He looks for if you can do your defensive performance, then you get, you get your game, right? And the, and the rest comes. So, um, yeah, I think at the very least he's done enough to to be a trusted option in, in that sense. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit conscious of time. I need to, I need to wrap things up pretty quickly. So I've got a couple of things that I wanted to cover as well and you guys can shout if you have anything else that you want to to talk through as well but um i just wanted to cover just a couple of positives really um i wish i hadn't just closed the page that one of the positives was on but i'll I'll get back to that but that's okay i think look positive wise is you know we didn't lose that game that's that's the first thing i wanted to kind of highlight we didn't lose that game we got a great opportunity for for a couple of players to to show what they're made of. Unfortunately, I do think Riedervald's injury was a groin strain, given how he was moving his leg when he was laying down and what they were testing. So I, I do think he'll be out. But if he if he's not, I think he's shown that he can be you know that kind of utility player that can cover a couple of positions for us again. And I think necessity of uh, having a few of the younger players on the bench has been really, really positive. So um, I think it's important we congratulate Roy Hodgson on his 400th game as, Premier, as a Premier League manager. Um, which is an incredible achievement. So congrats to Roy on that. Shame it wasn't more of an exciting game to celebrate with, but uh, not a lot he could do about that. So um, yeah, I think there you go. Um, And I did also want to mention this statistic, which I think is something we can be very, very happy with. Um, And that is that Crystal Palace have recorded more clean sheets in the Premier League this season than any other side. We've got four shutouts. It's our most from our opening eight matches of a league season since our, since the 1993-94 uh, season in the second tier, which was four in a row uh, as well. And the most at this stage in a top flight campaign since 1979-80. to 80. So defensively outstanding performances. Mike? Yeah, so three in a row, um, which, you know, 
the Vieira period, obviously we were scoring a lot more goals, um, but that's amazing. And the fact that um, Roy has Joel Ward as the number one right back, so he literally was choosing the number two right back behind Joel Ward and we've managed to keep three clean sheets. I think that's amazing. As a man that vener- venerates the uh, Tony Pulis era, um, <laughs> let's be honest, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's a lot of positive to think about. As we mentioned a few times, we go into the international break uh, in ninth position on 12 points. We're in the top half, as we said we would be. So right now, um, even even my cat is really excited by that. He's screaming in the background and running around like a maniac. So he has he's felt the first eight games of the season has gone very well. Have you checked your ankle yet, Amber? Has he done the whole foot? Or? As to what he was doing? Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, luckily there didn't seem to be any real damage, but oh, he was clawing at the other foot a moment ago um, and then screamed and ran away. So I'm not sure quite what's going on, but he's a very strange cat. Anyway, um, so there was uh, definitely a couple more things on the list that we wanted to talk about, but I think we've covered a fair amount of it already. We talk, I suppose a lot of it was what the hell do we do next was the kind of question. And I think we've kind of settled on the fact that we haven't really got many choices. You know, Eze looks like a long-term problem. Um, Roy's reaction to being asked about how fit Mateus uh, Franca was, was to be furious that the club was releasing videos that appeared to show him in full training when he's been doing sort of extra body in training, not full contact training. He seemed very, very angry about that, which was, I think, a bit of an insight into to just how likely it is to see Franca anytime soon. Um, and from what I understand, De, De Cure, or De Cure, um, as we're now going to call him, um, and maybe Lerma could be back after the international break. Uh, and obviously Schlupp and Gyro we need, would need to be assessed. But I don't believe anybody else is due back um, after after that time. But fingers crossed, I guess. Question mark. Um, so I don't think there's really anything else for me that I could possibly add, other than our attacking options. It's a real challenge right now. Midfield is starting to look a little bit okay. Well, who's ready? So look at that bench. We've just got some young players who might have to sink or swim, I guess. So um, yeah. yeah. And one goalkeeper that really cannot afford to get injured. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't even cover the whole Henderson situation of him. He's been, he looks like he's out for a long while. Um, but then again, we've got, okay, Goodman's out on loan, but Whitworth is uh, in the England elite squad with him. Um, so not too bad as a third choice. Uh, and um, yeah, maybe we'll get to see Remy Matthews in some uh, some action soon. You never know. Um, but let's Woo. let's end things. Yeah, exactly. Woo, indeed. A new cult hero for you. It's been a while. Yak's been gone for a while. So, you know, you need somebody else. Um, anyway, so thanks to everybody for listening to the show, uh, particularly everybody who got in touch. I'm sorry we didn't get around to, to any of it. We had a really sh- short amount of time to record this podcast. I want to make sure we did one this week. So um, there you go. So, But it does all help in, uh, in in our thoughts and how we put the show together and what we talk about. Um, no preview show this week of course because of the international break so make sure you go over to the YouTube channel you'll see uh, all sorts of reaction previews uh, and and discussions of important stories DR screaming about all the injuries Patrick hating everything you know that kind of stuff is great fun so uh, do check that out like and subscribe and all that Uh, thanks to Mike thanks to Cara um, thanks again to you until next time come on you palace
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.